0: Hello, welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Uh, Today I have Alana from Derry in Northern Ireland. She's been sober for five months and 12 days, which is fantastic. Thank you so much, Alana, for making the time for us today.
1: Thank you, Terry, for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. I was just about to say, we do have a Tiny lag on the Wi Fi from time to time. So, um, we're going to see how this podcast goes and hopefully it'll all be totally fine. Um, So, please, Alana, if you wouldn't mind, uh, could you introduce
1: a bit about yourself so we can get to know you? Yeah, so I'm Alana and I turned 30 in February of this year. I am a mother of two small children. Um, my daughter's two and a half. my son is four, and I I live in a lovely self-built home that I built with my partner. We moved in last summer. um I run an Instagram page sort of documenting the self-built process and I also have my own business. so I'm quite a busy, busy person. Awesome. um
0: that page is brilliant as well. um by the way, so I'm sure I'm sure you mentioned that towards the end when we, uh, check in on how we can follow your journey but yeah your your home looks absolutely like dreams <laughs> so so well done and congratulations on on that Thank achievement <laughs> um awesome so let's just jump Thank straight you. in it took, it took a lot of work yeah I, I could imagine um so let's just jump straight in um, describe your life with alcohol what did that look like for you
1: um I started drinking when I was 15 um, and from the beginning it was never really just one or two drinks. I've always been quite a heavy drinker if I drank so I wouldn't drink every day but I would when I did I would um, forget to stop and I think when I was a teenager and in my early 20s no one ever really says anything about that. That was especially here I don't know if it's a cultural thing where I'm from but that was quite normal everyone seemed to be doing it and no one seemed to think it was an issue um, but in my early 20s I moved to London and left I left a really abusive relationship and in the sort of aftermath of that was when I realized that my drinking probably was becoming problematic Um I'd been struggling with depression and anxiety and, and post-traumatic stress disorder and rather than dealing with these issues i was just drinking um and i saw it as being young and going out and living my life in spite of what had happened but actually it was it was making things a lot worse for me um and i started to get sort of blackout drunk quite frequently um and that was worrying and then i suppose i had stopped a couple of times for maybe a month here and there just to show myself that i could stop drinking And I always thought, well, I can go off it, so I don't have a problem. And so I carried on sort of trying to moderate my drinking for the next, um, well, up until my 30th birthday. Um, Becoming a mom meant that my relationship with alcohol changed because obviously in pregnancy I didn't drink alcohol. And then I was breastfeeding, so I drank, but not very much. So I did, for the first time in my life, kind of learn to moderate my drinking through becoming a mother. Um, And then the pandemic Hit, and we all I think felt that and I started to drink more frequently again and definitely not to the same extent as I did in my early 20s but I was finding myself getting up in the morning with a sore head most days and looking forward to putting my children to bed so that I could drink wine and that really hurts even saying that now because you know children are there to be loved and cherished and enjoyed and I felt like I didn't appreciate them because I was kind of consumed by this escapism that I was engaging in in the evenings. Um, and I carried on. I mean, no one around me seemed to think this was an issue. Uh, so I just carried on like this. And then whenever I turned 30 and I had a couple of really bad hangovers, that's when I started to reassess. I really completely
0: relate to your Part about looking forward to wine when the kids are in bed and yeah that is quite difficult to admit and it is quite difficult to look back on I think um, because I was exactly the same as that and I you know had two young kids I, I, I was also a single parent for my children's sort of very young younger life and I think that it wasn't the pandemic for me. It was being a single mum that really exacerbated my drinking because I just felt so lonely. And I really remember just rushing through the books at bedtime because I just wanted to go and have my Savion Blanc and just, yeah, numb out the world. And that's quite, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I've actually put that to bed now. I, I, I feel self-compassion towards myself now, but it did take a bit of time to, to get there um but it is sometimes hard to look back at that stuff isn't it
1: um I think what it is is because for the last five and a half months I've really experienced the joy of being a parent again and I don't feel like you know I'm not wasting Sundays hungover and I'm not rushing through the bedtime stories wishing that I could go down and drink the wine I sort of realized now what I was missing out on at the time I didn't even didn't even cross my mind that that was something that I should be feeling bad about because, you know, there's there's this whole culture of, you know, moms and their wine and we deserve it. And although I am not a single mom and I'm really grateful for that, you know, I have a really loving, supportive partner. But when during the pandemic, we were building our house. So Aaron was working from he would leave the house before we woke in the morning and then he would go straight from work to the building site so although I wasn't a single mum I really was alone most of the time and I think like you the loneliness does exacerbate it and then not being in touch with friends and family as much and not having the opportunity to go out and socialise in any other way it just became like a crutch it was something to do it was a comfort and it was something to in my mind help my sleep but only when I I stopped drinking did I realise that it was harming my sleep and I actually sleep so much better without it
0: yeah yeah that's
1: yeah it's it's a game changer
0: on the sleep front um so what did you um just describe that that build up to deciding that's it I've had enough you know what happened on that day or day before that really made you to make that decision and that switch
1: um there wasn't really like a, a, a moment as such. There were lots of little moments. So in the lead up to my birthday, um, one of my best friends, who's been my best friend since I was 11, she gave up alcohol around Christmas time. And I'd been having conversations with her and she was telling me that she wasn't sure her relationship with alcohol was very healthy. And she'd been reflecting on it and journaling. And just those conversations got me thinking a bit differently about my own relationship with alcohol. And she never once suggested that I should give it up, but I I suppose it planted a seed. Um, and I have a few other friends who've been sober for several years now, and I've kind of attracted these people into my life over the last year or so. And I believe that's probably for a reason because I was learning from them, talking about their experiences. Um, so in the lead up to my 30th birthday, I felt really anxious and for some, like, although it was quite difficult for me to understand because on the surface I'd achieved everything that I wanted to achieve by the age of 30. And, it, you know, it seems one of those ages where people, I suppose it's like any, like 40, 50, you kind of assess where you're at in your life. Mm. But on the surface I appeared to have it all and I didn't feel like I had it all. I felt like I was just surviving. Um, and I've, I've no- I noticed that... I was getting up to go to work and I would have like a hangover head every morning. Even if I hadn't been drinking, I was maybe having one or two glasses of wine most nights. And I had a constant headache feeling. I never felt fresh. I never felt healthy. And then I suppose the sort of culmination of all that was my partner threw me a surprise party for my 30th birthday and I hadn't eaten any food and I was expecting to be going for dinner. And instead I turned up to this party and I think I drank two bottles of Prosecco on an empty stomach. Got ridiculously drunk and didn't, nothing terrible happened. I was in the company of friends and loved ones, and, you know, nothing, nothing terribly shameful happened. But just that next morning, waking up and feeling like I'd lost an entire evening and I couldn't get that back. And I thought, what kind of way is that to celebrate? That's not a celebration. That wasn't, that wasn't fun or healthy or, You know, it it just didn't feel right. I just got a feeling in my stomach and probably the hangover really made that feeling a lot worse. But I just thought, you know what, I've had enough. And I didn't then make a decision to go off alcohol for good. What I did think was Lent was around the corner. Um, And I'm not really particularly religious, but I am Catholic sort of nominally. And I would always do Lent as a tradition, Um, So I thought, right, well, Lent's around the corner. I'll give up alcohol for Lent and it'll just give me my body and my mind a chance to recover from what was probably quite a heavy week of drinking because there were a lot of celebrations around my birthday and all the celebrations kind of revolved around alcohol. So I did that. I gave up um, alcohol for Lent and my granny also always says that on St. Patrick's Day, you're allowed to break your Lent. So I had one pint of Guinness on St. Patrick's Day and... I remember thinking, why have I done that? Like I was, so I noticed great health benefits and my mind was clear and I was feeling fabulous. And then I didn't really need to have the Guinness, but we were out and I had it. And then it felt off to me. There was something about it that I decided, you know what, I didn't want to do that. Actually, that was more like a habit or feeling pressured because other people were doing it. And so I went back to not drinking for the rest of Lent. And by the time Lent was over, I had no desire to start drinking again.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Um, what a mm-hmm. powerful, such a powerful story that is, um, that um, it started with, you know, like, like you said, obviously you, you felt fuzzy, but you weren't drinking huge, huge amounts, you know, a couple of glasses in the evening or maybe a bit more when you go out. But you know i i was a sort of bottle of wine not every night i didn't i didn't drink every single night but four or five nights in the week (laughs) so most of the week i would drink a bottle a night or more some so i'd have to really really manage my drinking to to stop at one bottle but i would easily do two bottles if i was just feeling you know feeling like it but What's yeah. really, really striking about your story, and I and, and I and I really think it will help a lot of people, um, is that you weren't drinking super excessive amounts. You were feeling a bit groggy, and other people had helped to plant that seed with you, and that actually after a bout of um, sort of mini sobriety, if you like, or you know, mini breaks you just realise that you just weren't getting anything from it. And that is so, so powerful. Um, And I think that will give people a lot of hope. It's almost like you have to just do that first sort of almost 30 days. Just really try it. Just see what the benefits are, you know. Um, And, yeah, I I think that's amazing. Um, Really, really powerful.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was... um, I'm just so so grateful that I gave myself that opportunity to try it out and I know that if I had said I was not never going to drink again and I still don't I can't say that for sure I don't think anybody can but if I had told myself that the goal was never to drink again I would would have felt the first hurdle but given myself the opportunity to experience sobriety for a period of well initially it was 40 days and then because I had that one drink I extended it to the next 40 days and by the time those 40 days have passed, you really have enough enough experience of life without alcohol to see the difference. Mm-hmm. And when I say my sleep was better, I've struggled with poor sleep for as long as I can remember. And when I was going through PTSD really badly, that was a major source of my depression was that I wasn't sleeping. And it's really hard to function when you're not sleeping. And then I developed like a fear of insomnia, which sounds a bit weird, but I would just not go to bed because I was so afraid of lying in bed and staring at the ceiling. So it was either sit up until I could not stay awake any longer or drink wine and know that it would sort of soothe me into sleep. And that was, I always knew that that wasn't a healthy way to live, but I didn't really know another way. And I don't know if it's just coincidence that I had done a lot of work on my mental health alongside you know before I got sober I'd done a lot of the work um and I had been on a really long path to recovery from general mental health issues before I tried sobriety again because when in the past I tried it it was never it's never really gonna stick because I still felt like I needed it I still felt like I wasn't myself I couldn't socialize Mm. um I couldn't, I couldn't relax without it and all these things that I told myself, all the benefits that I told myself I was getting from it, whereas this time around, everything else in my life, thankfully, was going so well. I had just started a business, so I started my business in January, and that was going really well. My children are healthy and happy, and my relationship is healthy, and my home is beautiful, and I had so much going for me, and I thought, why have I been numbing that out? I don't have anything to numb out. What am I doing? And... I just, I think I I can see what I have now in my life so much more clearly as well, because when I was turning to alcohol, just for escapism, I wasn't really grateful for the great things I had. Like I mentioned already, my children, I feel like I didn't appreciate them Mm. Um, and my relationship I didn't really appreciate. Mm. Um, But now I have this whole new perspective on my life.
0: Yeah. Do you think that some of it is a bit like you, there is just the culture Um, of of drinking and we fall into that culture and it's just kind of what we do and then you just you just keep doing it (laughs) yeah you know in my case it was I just kept doing it for 27 years but you know the, the the obviously there is all the brain science out there that's becoming more and more accessible for people normal people like me and you through podcasts and other people's feeds and things like that but it's just so interesting that obviously over time the whole tolerance thing and you know it it is progressive and yeah if you start drinking and you keep drinking it's more likely that you are going to start drinking more and more and more and some people end up with obviously (laughs) dependency but it's almost like you're on this train and you just get on it because everyone gets on it. And you just keep going and going and going until yeah. you know, like, like, in our case, we fortunately we we stepped off the train, and then you step off and you look around you and just think, "Oh my god, <laughs> what am I
1: doing?" You know, life yeah. is what, amazing. What were we all What were we all doing? It's, yeah, it's crazy, and I I feel that now at the moment. So i I've been having a lot of conversations since I stopped drinking with everyone in my life because a lot of people. A lot of people struggled with the concept at the beginning and I find that so bizarre and you've probably experienced that yourself where people go, but why aren't you drinking? Mm. What do you mean you're not drinking? Are you pregnant?
0: Yeah. And
1: I still I still get that and I'm like, it's been five months. I would yeah. have a bump, but I know if I were pregnant, can you just accept that I'm not drinking? Yes. Um, and I've actually, I've gotten a bit more brutally honest as well. I think I've gained confidence over the last few months because I feel so secure in what I'm doing now. That the last time I was asked it, I said, because I'm an absolute nightmare when I drink too much. And the person was kind of like, oh, right. And they yeah. kind of just backed down. But to be honest, most people are a nightmare when they drink too much. But most people don't want to be faced with the reality of the situation. And I think I think it makes people uncomfortable because I know for me, when I first met people who were sober and I wasn't, I felt like they were judging me and my mm. drinking. And they yeah. weren't. They, they probably weren't even thinking about me or my drinking, but it made me think about my own drinking. And I was really uncomfortable with that. Um, but yeah. also having those really honest conversations with a friend of mine who was in recovery. And he, he spoke about this with me and said, I lost so many friends because they thought I thought I, they, you know, that I was better than them or whatever. And I remember hearing his side of it and realizing that that wasn't the case. And he was just doing what was right for him. So I suppose you're right. You get on the train because everyone's doing it. And here, I know when I lived in England, it's definitely a cultural thing there too. But someone told me recently that Ireland consumes the second largest quantity of alcohol in the world. Now, I can't say that's right because I didn't fact check that, but it wouldn't surprise me. And Mm. we're such a small island and we have so much amazing, like, landscapes and culture and things to do. But for some reason, alcohol has become central to Irish culture so much that when I lived in London and I worked in a pub one of the short stints of sobriety that I did there, I think it was Dry January or something customers in the pub who wanted to buy me a drink when I told them I wasn't drinking, they used to always say but you're Irish, how can you be yeah. Irish and not drink? Yeah. And I was like you know, it, it it certainly is, especially here, a cultural thing. It's an expectation, and if you don't drink, you're not good crack, and you must be really boring. And I've yeah. actually realised, whether anybody else knows it or not, I'm still brilliant crack at parties. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy myself just as much. Yeah, and I go home and I go to bed and I sleep and I wake up and I feel great. Yeah,
0: it's so funny, isn't it? I it, everything is sort of stacked against you at the moment in when you want to stop drinking but culture is the culture around boozing is so heavy and it runs so deep and it's with every age bracket as well uh, i think yeah. much more so with sort of our parents age or you know baby boomers apparently they're the biggest drinkers um certainly in this this country at the moment they're still the biggest consumers of alcohol um which does kind of make sense and obviously it decreases each decade and the younger people aren't drinking as much and I think there is a bit of a an, you know there is an issue in the drinks uh, industry in that they've realized young people aren't drinking half as much as the older generations and they're really panicking about that you know how can we entice these younger people I think it's amazing I think it's brilliant you know I I yeah I'd love for my children to grow up in a world where Alcohol is seen um in a similar sort of light as smoking, to be honest. Yeah. It's yeah, it's 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 a drug that kills you. You know, that is as that as, that's the as, sort of it's
1: it's as simple as that. It is a drug that kills you. yeah um, well, I had a conversation not so long ago with my partner about this, and I was actually getting upset because I was noticing like um I spend quite a bit of time on Instagram or watching movies, whatever. And they really romanticize drinking alcohol. There's always this, you know, when someone comes home in a movie from a long day at work, they always pour a glass of wine, And my mouth waters when I see that. And it's annoying. And I'm like, I I miss that. And there was a night where it just got overwhelming. And I had to really sit and think through my reasons why I'm, you know, why am I not drinking? And I spoke to my friend who's also sober and she said you know Alana if at any point you want to have a drink you can have a drink and I was like I know and even recognizing that sometimes and going I can if I want but I'm choosing not to that's a yeah. big part of it but you're right it's so ingrained in everything mm-hmm. so on Instagram you go on stories or you watch reads and there they are people making cocktails people drinking wine and they don't mean any harm by it and I'm not saying people should stop that but it's just everywhere. And I had this night where it all got a bit much and I thought, what am I doing? Am I missing out? You know, was I was I not really drinking as, you know, was my drinking not affecting me as much as I made it out to be? Because I've had so much, input from other people who do drink saying but why not it's only you know you can just have a few I can't just have a few I realize that anyway one or two doesn't really do it for me I would always at the weekend have a massive binge and that's not good either but this particular night I was getting a bit upset about it because I have been quite stressed and I was tired and it was just one of those nights where I was feeling a bit weak and I was talking to my partner and I said why is it that I have to be the one to do this you know why can't why can't it be more normal? Why, why is it that within our parents and our grandparents' generation, everybody drinks? And the only people, the only older people I know who don't drink are people who drank way too excess when they were younger or, you know, had a problem with dependency. And there's quite a lot of that within my extended family, which was always in my mind as well, that I think I'm predisposed to de- develop an alcohol dependency. Mm. And I see it so much around me that I don't, want to go that way but I was saying this to Aaron and I said why why is this our culture though why why does it have to be that that's what we do because he was like oh it's just it's just what Irish people do you know and I was like but why I said I don't really want our children growing up in a world where they think that that's the only acceptable way to have fun and enjoy yourself Mm. and he agreed with me he totally agreed and I was like but we have to show them that now he's still he doesn't he's not a heavy drinker by any means he has the odd beer But I would love it if he would give them. But that's me being selfish because he really doesn't have any, like his relationship with alcohol is much better than mine ever was. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think you just sometimes feel a bit lonely when you're the only sober one around as well. Yeah, because
0: and that re- that really nicely links to what I was saying um, just before. In that, you know, it does feel like you are pushing water up a hill, getting sober now, um, because it's it is really difficult. I think it is hard because you are. I, I'm the only sober person in my group of friends, um, as well. And yeah, I think it, I think at first like that, I, I probably resented that. And then you're constantly having to deal with a barrage of questions. Oh, but why? Yeah. You know, everyone's becomes an expert, don't they? With a drink in their hand. And that's really annoying as well. And uh, It's just, there's just so much going against you when you stop. And I think that to, to get to the point where you get, I don't know, you know, five months in or a year in, or you get to that point where you really start to see life is so much better without it. I think those people that get there are amazing that they've, gone on that journey against all odds in some yeah. ways and gone against the grain and yeah it's just you know it's, it, it, I, we are the early adopters um, and yes. and I know more and more people are trying it because on my page Um, you know which is steadily growing Um, every week there are more and more people every day that reach out to me um, and they're just like you Alana in that they've you know they've they've somehow stumbled on my page or, or on a page like mine and they're reading the content and they're thinking do you know what I wasn't thinking about this before but this is actually how I'm feeling and they just start to have that seed planted and I think that is amazing um that that people will, will watch something on instagram or you know they'll, they'll get they'll catch wind of of sobriety somehow and they'll just start exploring it or, or being curious and then there are people that have got sober for example because of my page and i just find that blows my mind and i and yeah. i'm so happy that there is more community developing In this area to support people like you and I out there that are going on that very early journey and just thinking, no, hang on a minute, I I don't want to drink, actually, and having to face all the same questions and aggro (laughs) for for choosing that
1: um it's amazing and well done you because i i do love the posts that you put out i I always find them relatable and i think they actually help even though i had kind of come across sobriety before i found your page they've helped at times when i did think what am i doing am i making the right decision it's that gentle reminder of what life used to be before that I think when you look back on anything, it's easy to put rose tinted glasses on and it's easy to go, Oh, I miss having cocktails with the girls. But like, yeah. do you really miss having cocktails with the girls? Cause I can still go out with the girls and have a mocktail. You know, there's no reason I can't do that. And yeah. for some reason, culture told us that we couldn't. I I went to maybe two, two concerts this year um, since I've been sober and I have really enjoyed them like more than I've enjoyed any concert in my life. I remember every bit of them. And then I started to think about all the concerts I oh, went no. to when I was younger <laughs> that I don't remember. I like, Why did I spend money to go and get blackout drunk at festivals and not like I may as well have been in the back garden? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know
0: what? It's so funny that you say that because I, I I had this uh I had I had these thoughts a, a couple of months ago. I I just thought, oh my God, the number of amazing concerts that I would never even get to go to again... And I just wasted them. Red Hot Chili Peppers passed out like on the second song. And I don't, I I don't, I was in a corridor somewhere. Don't remember it. Oasis, I don't remember it. And I mean, Oasis were at the time, they were just the most incredible band. It was electric atmosphere, but I just don't remember it. I was so drunk. Coldplay, so drunk. Rihanna blacked out before she came on stage. Uh, Don't remember any of her concert in the O2 what a waste i mean that is oh not fun is it know, and it, 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 it annoys me now even though i i do try really hard not to uh, get
1: too irritated by my Well do you know what you just have to think about all the concerts still to come because i've this year thankfully we've we've had the good fortune of being able to go to i think four concerts before the end of this year and When we were in lockdown and stuff, I thought for a while that we were never going to get to a concert again. So now that we can, I am really safer in them, and I am looking forward to them, and I can't wait to experience more things and and keep a clear head. And I love that now. The last time I went to a concert, I thought I wish I'd brought my children. I've never in a million years would I have thought I'd be thinking that at a concert, but. It was it was an Ed Sheeran concert and it was quite family friendly, but any other time I'd have been so concerned about queuing for the bar and yeah getting drunk that I, my children would have been the last thing in my mind. Whereas now I'm like I want them to experience life with us. I don't want I I never really drank much in front of my children because I was quite conscious of that. I would have waited till they were in bed or if it was a, a party or a special occasion I might have had one or two in their company, but. I, no, now I don't. Because I'm not drinking at all, I'm not feeling like I have to rush them off anywhere. And I, I just want to go out and do things and take them on holidays and experience uh, life. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. Because you have all this extra time
0: when you stop drinking. You just gain so much time. And it's nice to fill that time, like you say, so with, nice. with, with fam- family things and all things for yourself. And just... Yeah things that you didn't have time for before because if you weren't drinking you were recovering from drinking that's exactly how I was Mm -hmm. um so what obviously you had your um 40 days and 40 days and and yeah you sort of set that challenge for yourself um but what else did you do to sort of get sober did you know did you read did you do podcasts what what sorts of things did you do
1: um i not really i mean i i do a lot of reading and podcasts and audiobooks and stuff but not necessarily about sobriety more just about the mind in general um mindfulness and um i, I have a real interest in neuroscience and that i suppose developed when i had found out I post-traumatic stress disorder because i became obsessed with this concept of neuroplasticity and being able to repair you know the the brain and the pathways in the brain and, and change your brain structure. So I do a lot of reading and and that around those areas anyway and I suppose in a way that was always I always felt like my drinking was incongruent because like with my actions and my and my beliefs because for example when I was wanting to do self-care I'd be like oh I've had a long day I'll go get in the bath and I would get in the bath but I would take a glass of red wine in the bath with me. And I could feel my blood pressure changing, and I was like, "This doesn't feel right. This isn't healthy. I should just be in the bath drinking water because I'm dehydrated." So I suppose I didn't really do anything specifically related to sobriety. I carried on talking to my friend who was also and is still sober, um, and then I opened up more to a few of my other friends who are in long term recovery about just that I, you know, been trying out sobriety and how it was going. And I actually found such great comfort and support from those friends because I sort of for some reason thought uh you know my one particular friend is is a work colleague and I thought he's gonna think uh she's only done a month what does she know but he's like five five years sober now and he's been a great support to me because I suppose he's been there done that long enough that he understands the challenges and he, I always thought he would be judgmental of me because I wasn't a, a textbook problem drinker but no, I've just found that the people that I've spoken to about it, the people who get it, they really get it. And they're a great help and a great support. Um, and I follow a couple of local. There's a, an addiction addiction um, charity that I used to work for. I follow them online and I follow a guy called Gary Rutherford who's local. He set up Arc Fitness. So he's he's in long-term sobriety and has set up a charity where people who want to abstain from drugs or alcohol can go there and they get fit so he puts them through training like fitness programs um I've never done that particular program but I follow and I enjoy his content and then I find your own content so I suppose organically I've, I've come across this stuff but I never really sought it out I've been too busy Terry with the kids and the business and yeah. living <laughs> life yeah but obviously you know
0: for, to me it sounds like you have really strong self-awareness and that you were able to sort of tune into what you needed or how you were feeling. Um, and I think that also can be so helpful um, in the early parts of sobriety because you just kind of, you, I don't know, just maybe, maybe you'd sort of get more drawn to, like you say, for you, it was kind of a community angle almost, yeah. having those positive influences or people to you know watch or um check out online um but yeah it just just sounds like you you have a good instinct and a good awareness um for that sort of thing and and i felt similar as well i i i i put a little plan together for myself um, because that's just the way that I work personally but a lot of that just came from inside of me I just thought right I want to research what do I need to do what sort of things are going to be you are ah, you know what exercise is going to help me I know it is because I know that that's you know good for dopamine and blah 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 so yeah I think um I think I think that, that that's amazing but um yeah. and I think the <laughs> neuroscience stuff is sorry the, the the neuroscience stuff is so
1: fascinating isn't it yeah, it is. I, you, you get lost in it. Yeah. Um, And I do at times, like there's certain books I've read and I just think, wow, that it's just mind blowing. And I wish everyone understood this stuff because they wouldn't live their lives the way they do if they really understood how their body and mind works and how the two work together. So I suppose I had already kind of developed that love of exercise and that, that need to take care of my body and the need to tune in and check in with myself and my feelings Um, but what I realized is in those first few weeks of abstaining from alcohol I didn't miss it when I was socializing I was fine socializing without it and that's when I thought I would miss it when I really missed it was when I was stressed or when I was overwhelmed or when I had big feelings that I didn't want to process that was when I had this strong urge to go and get a bottle of wine and for me recognizing that quite early on and maybe that is a form of self-awareness but I recognized that and that scared me. And I thought, that's not a healthy relationship with anything if you're only turning to it in times when you're emotionally mm, off balance and you're afraid of your feelings. So I suppose that was, that was where the community came in because then I could talk to my best friend and talk to my colleague about, you know what, I had a really hard day yesterday and I really wanted to have a glass of wine. And they just understood that. And I was able to, talk about the feelings that had come up. And even if I didn't talk about them, just sitting and journaling or processing those feelings and thinking about, well, why did I feel that way? What was my trigger? It kind of, sobriety for me was like the the cherry on top of all the work that I've done over the last number of years in counselling and on self-development. And it was the thing, it was like the missing piece because I was doing all the things before But the alcohol was just pulling me back. It was holding me back from really achieving what I wanted to achieve and and feeling the way that I think I am supposed to feel.
0: Yeah. Gosh, so interesting. What would you say has been the biggest gain in sobriety for you?
1: I think it's just, as we've mentioned, all the time that I have now. um, I've got time, I've got energy, and I've got clarity of thought. So my business is going really well. I started my own digital marketing. Um, I'm not going to use the word agency, maybe agency. It's just me. But anyway, I I set that up in January and I have, I'm far more productive than I've ever been in my life. I'm able to get things done and I've got amazing clients and I love what I'm doing. And then I'm finding that when I'm not working, I'm more patient with my children. I have more time to sit and play games with them. Um, I'm not. I'm not distracted. I'm tr- well. Sometimes I'm distracted. You know, I still go on my phone. I'm not perfect, but I try my best to be present. Um, whether I'm with friends or family, I just feel like the people in my life are getting a better, more authentic version of me.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so. That's so lovely. Um, I, 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 I feel all those things too, and I just think that they are. Yeah they're so they're so simple those things but they're such huge thing they're life changing things aren't they having more time being present being in the moment it's yeah they're just huge game changers um and that really elevates your internal peace
1: and happiness and contentment yeah. i think yeah it does it does and I don't know how you feel about energy and stuff, but I certainly feel like it raises your vibration. You you're energetically just feel better. Yeah. And you attract better things into your life when you're not hungover or groggy.
0: <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when I got sober in that first year of my sobriety, so many positive things happened to me. And I just, I'm quite spiritual anyway. I, mm. I, I believe in fate and I... Yeah, I, I just, I honestly thought that um, these gifts that came along, you know, they were quite big things as well, you know, like um, pay rises and promotions at work and just lots of other things I can't remember now, unfortunately, off the top of my head. But I remember thinking, oh, this is no coincidence that, that, that I've stopped drinking and these things have come into my life probably like you say because you've got so much more clarity, more energy, more focus. I
1: think you just manifest better stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you do. And I think the people around you trust you more as well. And even if you were never a particularly not trustworthy person and I wouldn't say that I've ever been someone that people go, oh, I wouldn't trust her. But if you're drinking quite often, you probably are about unreliable whether you realize it or not and when people see that you're thriving, they're going to trust you with more responsibility and you know I, I certainly believe that my clients a lot of them wouldn't work with me if I was Robbie Alana who you know hated the sound of the alarm in the morning yeah like no I don't even set an alarm my children wake me in the morning and I'm yeah. happy to see them in the yeah. morning <laughs> yeah. I'm not like oh go away and let me sleep yeah. well some mornings if I'm really tired I still want to snooze but I'm, I'm not feeling I don't wake up in a bad mood I wake up yeah. happy and thankful to be alive yeah,
0: there, there's no dread, is there? Yeah. I I, n- I never feel um, that sort of post weekend anxiety or you know the Monday morning blues type feeling. I never have it. I I don't I don't dread anything anymore. I just I just yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I spent a lot of my life the same as you, Alana, waking up feeling. Um, booze fatigue <laughs> mm-hmm. thinking oh god no please don't tell me the kids are awake not now not not at this time you know even though it was a perfectly acceptable time for children to be awake yeah. just not, not having the sort of mental or physical energy to deal with life and I've forgotten how shit that feels because I yeah. just don't have it anymore um, and it was funny actually like the other day somebody a friend uh, texted me i've not heard from them in ages but you know it's just sort of like a nice little text out of the blue and they were telling me about um something really spectacular that happened in their day um and and that they met somebody quite famous and it was it was quite a funny story and I was like oh no way that is amazing and they said yeah I was really hungover and um and so it was you know really challenging and and I it made me kind of wince reading it because I thought um oh god I couldn't imagine what what, what that would feel like and I forget that that's what life is like when you drink you are pretty much always hungover, over and mm. you're just running at 50% all the time and then whatever things happen in your day it's always marred by the fact that you're feeling a bit rough because you've drunk and I just I don't know it's just like it was a weird oh I forgot that people feel that way yeah because that's that is what my life used to be like, and that is still what a lot of people's lives are like. You know, they are yeah. in that cycle of of drinking and being hungover, and it was just like God. It's so nice that that I don't ever have to worry about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's very freeing, isn't it? I was at um, my cousin's child's birthday party a couple of weeks ago. He turned five, and it was lovely. They had bouncy castles, and all the kids were playing, and and it just brought me back a memory of his previous birthday party. I think it was two years ago, but I was desperately hungover and I had to call my mum and ask my mum, could she take my children to the party? Because I couldn't get up and do it because I was, I felt like I was going to die. And yeah. so mommy had taken my children on over and then I knew that I had to show my face. So I dragged myself there and I sat and I think I was green. And I remember people commenting, and like, Oh God. And I was like, I know. And I just, I'd been out the night before with my friend drank far too much, felt like death. And just, I remember sitting through the whole party, just wanting to be in my bed. Oh. And this year couldn't have been more different. I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed seeing everyone and mixing with friends and family that I don't see that often. And I had like three plates of curry because of, because yeah. I had an appetite. And I just, <laughs> it just, it just really reminded me of that. You know, the, the difference was so stark between how
0: I'd yeah. felt before. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Alana, I, I could literally talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> but, um, but we're coming towards the end now. Um, yes. So what would you say are your top three tips in either getting sober or um, staying sober? Okay.
1: So number one, I think if you're trying to get sober, give yourself A reasonable deadline. So, like I did, it was 40 days. Give yourself a challenge that doesn't seem insurmountable, something that you think, okay, I can do that. And in that time, take stock of how you're feeling. And of the times when you miss alcohol or you feel like you would like alcohol and of all the things that you're experiencing that you're grateful for. So really keep check on it, maybe keep a diary. Um, And then by the time you've finished your challenge, hopefully you'll be in a place to make a decision about whether or not you want to continue your sobriety. And then when it comes to actually staying sober, um, I think the main one for me, as I've mentioned, is building yourself a little community and whether that's a few close friends who understand and get it who you can check in with or seeking out um, a sober community online like yourself or I know there's a whole bunch of other um, sober accounts that you can follow. That kind of thing really, really helps keep you going on the days that you're struggling. Um, And then the third tip for staying sober, I suppose, again, it just comes down to gratitude and journaling. See if you can keep track of all the great things that are happening in your life as they're happening and relate them to your sobriety like I've been trying to do Um, you'll not want to go back it's funny like you might have moments of weakness where you consider it but if you are constantly reminding yourself of all the great things that you've got now that you didn't have before you're not going to want to give that up for a short-term fix and I also think when when you do think okay just I just want wine. I, I imagine myself waking up the next morning. How am I going to feel in the morning if I have a drink now? And it's never good. So that makes it really easy, I think, to stay stay on track.
0: Yeah, great
1: tips. Um,
0: I've got set a small target. I really like that. Small, realistic target. Um, community seems to be so vital in so many people's Journey with going alcohol-free. Um, and it's such a super supportive community as well. Um, and keep track of the good stuff. I really like that. Yeah. And playing it forward, that is a big one, isn't it? When you get that craving, just try and play out. Once you've got past those two glasses of cold white wine or whatever, how does that end up? Uh, usually total destruction for me sounds quite similar for yourself um how so how can people find you Alana and um follow your
1: journey so um if they want to follow our day-to-day life I have my building number 15 page so it's at building number 1515 on Instagram and I also have my business page which is at offyourplate.virtual um, so they can get in touch there or they can follow along and my DMs are always open. I love talking to people about sobriety and mental health. So that's it.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So just to um, make that super clear, that's at building number n-u-m-b-e-r and then one five building number 15 um it is a fabulous page and yeah lot, lots of home inspo um i i basically want your house
1: if okay. <laughs> 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 if you, ever you go give it back that. when you have to clean it because it's it's really quite big I didn't realize we were building it and everyone kept saying wait till you have to clean those floors and then oh it is. it's a lot of cleaning yeah and all that glass still yes it's, a lot of spectacular. glass spectacular yeah but it's worth it it's so worth it I oh, live
0: in here it's beautiful and it's been such a pleasure um, to catch up with you Alana thank you so much for your raw honesty um this podcast will help so many people and um yeah i'm super grateful so thank you thank you terry have a lovely day yeah you too and thank you everybody else uh see you next week thanks for listening thank you bye thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.